Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. I am so excited to be welcoming Alana Gentry today. We have been meaning to do this episode for quite some weeks, so we finally coordinated our schedules and here we are. And this is a special episode because we're actually doing this as a cross post, we think. Um, so this is going to be on my podcast and also on hers, which is in call, which is called Inspired Grownups, which is pretty kismet. So Alana Banana, aka Alana Gentry, is a song Songwriter, foster mama, and kids content creator. She's been sharing music with kids for over a decade, has three children's albums, an interactive preschool app. Oh, I didn't know that. That's fun. And over 50 videos on YouTube as the Alana Banana Show. Aside from working with kids, Alana has been practicing yoga, meditation, and personal development for over 20 years. She's the host of the new podcast, Inspired Grownups helping parents to live with presence and find their joy again by doing what they love. All right, well, welcome, Alana. Let's get going. Hello, Porter. It is so good to see you here. <laughs> Hello, I know. We finally yeah, we, did it. <laughs> we finally did it. We've been talking, we talked a little bit beforehand and that we've been um, in each other's, I want to say orbit. I like that word in each other's orbit for many years, actually. Um, and it's really nice to have a conversation here because we, when I started inspired grownups, you reached out and said, Oh, I have inspired artists podcast. And I was like, I know I've heard it. (laughs) I have listened, but you've been doing it for a few years. How long have you had your podcast? Um, I think since 2019, but I took like a little mental health break. I actually thought I was going to stop doing it indefinitely. And then I had a change of heart. Um, mainly because I was like, wow, people are still listening to this. Um, so that's always kind of a nice feeling when you're like, I don't think anybody cares. Oh, wait, it seems like they might. So yeah. <laughs> and I think it's okay to let, stop and start and yeah. just take breaks and create space yeah. in our lives. So Porter mentioned this uh, before for her crew, but we are doing uh, a cross podcast. We'll see how it goes where we're just going to have a conversation and then put it on both of ours and, uh, share each other with yeah our circle. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, it's totally perfect. It's like inspired artist, inspired grownups. Right. Yeah. Right. And we are both singer songwriters. I know I've been in the children's music space for a, a while now and, but I feel like we connected through yoga. We did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it was, I remember I moved back from New York. I'm from Los Angeles, but I moved to New York for a couple of years and then came back and went to, uh, a Kirtan event, uh, in Santa Monica. And I remember meeting you there. I don't even know if you remember that, but, um, I just got into the Kundalini world. It wasn't a Kundalini Kirtan. It was, oh, okay. it was, uh, I don't think you had even dove into that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And it wasn't me performing. It was, no, it wasn't you. It was, this was before you were performing. Okay. uh, In that realm. And oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know. I feel like you were just, you were performing as a singer songwriter and I was too prior to that. And then I took a break. Like you took a break from podcast. I took a break from performing and just dove into my yoga practice. Um, and then when I, after a few years, I discovered that I really just wanted to share music with kids and families in that way. Uh, so I, I still practice yoga. I don't 
practice Kundalini necessarily. I practice, uh, I guess you would say vinyasa or I still do breath work, but it's my own thing. I don't really adhere and we don't have to go down that whole road um, <laughs> because I know your audience knows that you were in the whole Kundalini world for so long and then got out. So mm -hmm. if you want to know more, <laughs> you can talk about it if you want to, but I don't feel like we, I know that you yeah, have well, plenty of Yeah, let's see what happens. It. Yeah, sure. It's true. It's kind of a, it's an evolving, um, I guess it's sort of like an evolving concept in my own brain, like how I, how I see it has, you know, keeps changing and keeps evolving. Mm -hmm. um, but basically, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't practice anymore. Um, I've become a little bit softer about other people practicing. I think that was a little ugh, cringy for me at first. And I was like, well, you know, that's, that was an important aspect for them. The yoga became sort of not important to me. It was more about the music. Right. Um, so it, I wasn't so invested in the, the yoga anyway, but yeah. Um, and that's what drew me to the practice anyway, was, um, the music. Yeah. Because I never worked with mantras before and I never heard really Kirtan music before. And it drew me in just the music and the vibration of all of that. So I can imagine that's what drew you in as well. Totally. Right? Yeah. And you have such a beautiful voice for my listeners. Uh, as definitely. do you. Thank you. But it's different. <laughs> Thank you. But I feel like you have this ethereal angelic voice that is so healing and soothing. So I'm glad that you are still doing it and that you are doing it in a different way Yeah, these days. So tell me, well, how are you sharing your music these days? I actually, that's, that's interesting. Interesting. You asked because this last weekend, I actually spent two full days with Ram Dass who not the Ram Dass. Somebody was like, somebody texted me was like, you're working with the Ram Dass. And I'm like, no, he's dead. So yeah. <laughs> not that one, <laughs> the other Ram Dass, um, who, who produced my album, the cosmic gift. Mm -hmm. And we did some pre-production or all the pre-production for this next album that I'm going to be doing, which is, songs like for the first time in a very 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 long time and that feels so it feels so healing to me it honestly feels like an extension of the therapy i've been doing mm. <laughs> you know? yeah yeah are these new songs that you're writing or songs that you've written a well while ago? it's like the compilation of like three three years worth of material so um i've had time to kind of cure like i haven't you know I haven't been in a rush to make anything because I have not felt like solid um, enough to to feel like, oh, my gosh, I have to make something. I actually went through a period. I'm not sure if you went through this, too, of like, I don't know if I want to like put that was one of the reasons I took a break from the podcast was like, I don't know if I want to put anything out there right mm. now. Like, I'm just I don't know if what I have to say right now is like what I'm going to actually feel good about in a year, like you know? Yeah. Um, cause it was, yeah, I was like in, in process, you know, in, I guess you're always in process, but yeah. it was, it was a confusing time. So I didn't want to rush to like create more. And I think this dawned on me when I had a conversation with someone on the podcast that like I felt was actually kind of crazy. Really? <laughs> 
Yeah, it was a Did weird... you discover that while you were talking to them or did yeah, you have a feeling I was before? Like, I, I, yeah, I was like, wow, this is really nuts. I think I have to kind of get a handle on how I feel all about this because mm. it was it was just it really kind of hinted at me like, I think you need to take a little time to, you know, like let all the dust settle, you know. Right. So I hear you. I, I have taken breaks like that. Um I mean, I guess in the children's music world, I mean, definitely in my twenties, when I got into my yoga practice, I just took a break from sharing music, Mm. but I, in the last few years, I took a break when COVID hit, but that's also when I became a parent and I really wanted to just spend all my time just being, I'm a foster parent. So I, it had taken us years to get to that place of opening up to that, doing that. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to be all in and I wasn't really thinking about recording or writing. Um, but going back to what you said of feeling like, not sure if you wanted to share what you were feeling, I totally understand that. But I also think there's sometimes the songs that come out during those times, well, one, they're therapy for us as songwriters, but also, I mean, as a human, we all go through really tumultuous or troubling times, different times in our lives. And I'm just saying as a, as a outsider to listen to that might also be therapeutic. Well, yeah, no, it's it. So to clarify that, that was, those were the songs that I was writing. Oh, Okay. Yeah. So I actually was sharing music. I feel like, but I was tr- trying maybe not to talk about it so much for, for a little while. Got it. So, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, because for my listeners, you were sharing music for a while, just in the Kundalini world in as, as Kirtan music, mm-hmm. as mantra music. And then now you're going back to your original writings and as Porter mm-hmm. singer. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's really fun um, for me. I mean, we, we have a lot of parallels. And one of the things that we have in common is that I also used to work with kids. I used to teach oh. children's yoga. Did I tell you this? I don't think you told me this. No. Okay. This was the first thing that I did within the Kundalini yoga community. And I never... Uh, at the time I didn't even hadn't done teacher training. I didn't even really practice Kundalini yoga, but I had taken a children's teacher training at the golden bridge, Mm -hmm. um, with, uh, two really cute, uh, women who, um, who, I, I don't even think I really advertised my, it was one of those things where it's like, people just kept asking me, there was like a huge demand in LA for, yoga you know for kids yoga like everybody loved this idea of like providing it in their preschool and their elementary school and whatever so i had a pretty solid gig of teaching yoga um all around la this is only for maybe like a year or something but it was really healing for me it was it was really um and they loved the music oh yeah yeah oh yeah i can see that i actually not I did a yoga teacher training for kids, not Kundalini, but just regular. I have never taught though. I just kind of took the training and didn't, I don't know. I haven't done anything with it. Maybe I will. As my daughter gets older, she's not, she'll be two next month. So, uh, I still, I do sometimes we'll do like cat cows and downward dogs in the morning just to like warm up my body. Cause I grew up dancing. So I feel like that's how I got into yoga was just to like continue to have flexibility really. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I'll do a, f- a few things to, sh- you know, and she, she just wants to climb on me though. <laughs> How old is she? <laughs> She'll be two next month. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. yeah. I did this. Um, my, my kids still ask me to do yoga with them, hmm. but it's like not anything you would recognize as yoga. <laughs> So it's like, they really like, um, I I had to develop a bunch of different things for the yoga class to kind of make it interesting and accessible. So one of the things was I used this track, Hey Daddy by, oh, I can't even remember what it's from the eighties. It's from my childhood, but it has, it mentions different animals. And so we do like the different poses while we're doing the song and also like, um, row, row, row your boat. Well, you know, do do that one or hey diddle diddle with like cat cow cool uh, I, I really that. liked doing that sort of stuff and my kids love that so so how old are your kids they're nine and six oh. it's surprisingly baby for them but they really like it it's it so must cute. be kind of comforting and familiar that's so yeah. cute well i did listen um it was a few months ago when we initially we're trying to get on this call together. I listened to one of your solo episodes and you were talking about finding purpose again in parenting. Mm -hmm. And I just, I guess, um, as a songwriter, um, as a, a yogi, I know you're not fully practicing, but I feel like you have that essence of just, if we take off the labels of what really a yogi is, I feel like it's just somebody who, merges the physical with the non-physical and I'm just wondering how have you brought I mean are your kids musical I guess that's one question or do they enjoy music are they into it do have you always played it around them I'm assuming you have but how has that been they, they I think and I'm not sure how this happened but they associate my music with like something that takes me away from them they don't Mm. like when i play music my youngest son will actually tell me i hate your songs stop playing your music really (laughs) yes (laughs) and how does that make you feel i i mean he's very like direct and rude about a lot of things i think it's kind of refreshing He's just, his, he's in, he's authentic to who he is. And that's actually why I like children. They're just real. They just yeah. say it is. Yeah. 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 You know, sometimes, I don't know. I've tried saying like, you know, that hurts my feelings. This is something that I really love, but I realized I, I don't even really think he's saying, I hate your music. I think it's just like, I don't like you having that. It feels like you're away from me when right. you, when you sing, that's how I'm interpreting it. Um, my, my older, yeah, neither one of my kids, it's funny because people always like when I would, I've done minimal touring, but when I would do touring, people would come up to my kids and be like, oh, it must be so nice to have a mother that sings to you. And they're like, no, gross. Like, <laughs> So yeah, but they are musical. My, my son takes drum lessons. Mm-hmm. I told you I had to actually cancel their, their music lessons today. Um, oh, yeah. and my, my, well, so my older son takes drum lessons. My younger son just started piano. He really wanted to do that. And he has very good music ear, the younger one and has very specific music tastes. Mm, so, like what? 
I know that's what somebody asked. That's what Ramdas asked me. And I feel like I'm like, um, lately it's been like the SpongeBob playlist, but he likes this like this sort of hip hop track that was in the new movie. Um, he's he's gone through phases of listening to like, oh my gosh, my oldest went through this phase of having to listen to the instrumental in the Lion King called the Stampede. Oh he just wanted to listen to it over and over and over again. Um yeah so interesting yeah it's interesting what kids gravitate to I used to um before I was a parent I helped a couple of my friends with their kids part-time and one of them even when he was a baby he's now like 14 but when he was a baby uh or early toddler he the only thing he wanted me to play in the car was classic rock and if I turned it on anything else oh, they like that too out. yeah their dad really likes that so they like that yeah yeah that's funny uh, I know it's, I wonder, I mean, our daughter, she, she loves Lori Berkner. Do you know who Lori Berkner is? No. Oh, she's a great children's music artist. Who's been around for like over like 25 years Yeah, and just has really fun songs for kids, like oh. thoughtful that kids uh, gravitate towards, I think, because it gives them actions to do. And so we have Lori Berkner on heavy rotation at our house, but she also, loves um some of the moana songs and then and then we i i play her the beatles because i grew up with the beatles and mm -hmm. at dinner i put on jazz music because i just want something other than children's music oh <laughs> uh, but i've just tried to like give her a little bits of different things stevie wonder we've got that going on at home for dance parties mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, we used to do dance parties. We I I got rid of my big speakers and we haven't done that in a while, but we used to listen to like this guy Jai Wolf. So oh, like a DJ. He really likes they they like that sort of stuff. We'd pretend we were doing a rave. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, funny. it's fun. It it's fun introducing them to to different music and they oh and my my oldest plays a lot of video games, so he's really he was really into the Zelda music for a while. Oh yeah, which is actually quite pretty. It's like mm -hmm. all instrumental, um, kind of classically arranged, like pretty. Yeah, has like flutes and. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. So I know when we reconnected and talked about podcast stuff, you were living in Mexico. And yeah, you're no back longer. In yeah, no longer. How long were you there? I was there from August to December. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. A, a good chunk of time. And what were you doing down there? I was um I was processing my fear of being controlled <laughs> from all the COVID lockdown stuff. Oh. Okay. Um I was working through some relationship issues. I was rediscovering why my marriage kind of disintegrated. Um, yeah, I think I was just taking a break. I think it, it had been, I hadn't had since my divorce and since the whole Kundalini crumble, I hadn't had time to myself to really reflect on anything and process any of it. I just kind of had to go into like, you know, making sure my kids were okay. And I was in a new relationship and maintaining that. And, um, it was, it was time to kind of recalibrate. Got it. 
Yeah. I don't know how much you want to get into and please let me know if you're not. I'm pretty, with this, I'm pretty but... open book. So feel free to ask me okay. if, if I don't want to answer it. I won't, but yeah, I'm just <laughs> curious because, uh, your ex-husband was also in the Kundalini world. Is that how you met? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then is he still a part of that or is he no longer as well? He is in like, um, uh, a way he lives in a community where he was, he lived in Mexico. So basically we went down there and that gave me time to be by myself because he had the kids half the time, mm-hmm. which was not the case when we were in Washington. So, mm-hmm. um, he lives in a community that's very new age, spiritual ayahuasca ceremonies, Kundalini yoga, Gurmuk goes down there. Mm-hmm. I don't know, once a month or whatever, there's like all that kind of going on. So in that sense, he's still part of it but he's shaved his head and his beard and doesn't wear the the garb anymore and okay yeah wow yeah it's really interesting to me i because i was removed from that before everything crumbled and kind of came out um uh i was i was shocked and not shocked mm. it was like both like Oh, because you just, I, you know, I'd heard about other teachers like the Bikram and, mm, mm. you know, and I was disappointed, very disappointed, but there was a part of me when I was teaching, cause I taught for three years. And when I was in training that I felt like I got a lot out of the practice, just, um, I think really was a lot of the breath work and just movement and the time for meditation. And of course the sound mm. current through mantra, but I, there was, it always didn't resonate with me. The, uh, it has to be exactly this way. And this mm-hmm. is the way. And, and so I was kind of like, oh, it's disappointed, but also like, okay, I kind of see what happened or, you know, yeah. of course I wasn't as immersed, um, as it, you know, as you were at the time. Um, so I can only imagine when I've listened to some of your episodes, I'm like, oh, my heart just, <laughs> for everybody who yeah yeah has you know experienced that but i did i was reading um and i know that you are an emotional fluency coach so can you talk about that a little bit and what that is yeah yeah i i did want to ask you before um we go into that did were you at all part of like the rama community or anything like that or mm-hmm. no, no you, yeah neither was like I. I never went to like solstices i did do like white tantric yoga once during teacher's training and i did have like really cool experience yeah with it but yeah and i'm not sure i don't know why i didn't like dive in like that yeah but i guess i just didn't i just still (laughs) liked my lifestyle but then i wanted to teach and like jump in a little bit yeah well it's nice you felt you could just dip a toe or a foot in and like be okay with that. I kind of mm-hmm. felt like I had to go all in, but that might just be my personality with things. I tend to like mm-hmm. really, you know, it's like, I'm like, Ooh, and I'm like hyper-focused here. And then I'm going to be hyper-focused here. That's just kind of how I've always been, but yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, so I think I realized in the, um, the cult experience that one of the things that drew me so heavily towards it was this sense that I was going to be able to escape the like the 
comfortable emotions that I was experiencing. It mm -hmm. seemed like Kundalini yoga, especially the music. I remember when I, like my first experience was hearing Sanadam's Rehman Shabed and literally the thought I had was I want to live in what that sound makes, how, how that sound makes me feel. Like I want my world to be, you know, I got what I wanted. Right. <laughs> um, and, and I think in retrospect, it was because I had, I'm highly sensitive, so many emotions, so much childhood trauma, you know, things as we all do. And just really wanted to escape that and who I was and just didn't really like myself, you know? So, I mean, getting a new name, that was really, that was a great proposition. You know, it was like, you get a whole new life. That's right. great. You don't have to be your past, you know, but the problem is, is that you still are. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was funny when I went back to like my quote, you know, my, my original spiritual name, um, I realized like all of the stuff that I hadn't dealt with before I joined, before I signed up for it, it was all there it was all I still I still had to confront it. You know, mm, yeah. I just hadn't been looking at it. So, but I discovered that there is like a tremendous power in actually looking at how you feel and looking at how you feel about yourself because it's informing what is in essence preventing you from growing you know like when it comes up that's your opportunity to look at it so that you can expand so that you can you know become like you can sort of keep up with with the the growth that your soul is wanting or however you you know you conceive of that because i really feel like we get these messages and when we experience like fear or sadness or grief or anxiety like that's really our cue to you know from ourselves, from our higher self to be like it's time to heal that now it's time yeah. to grow you know yeah i agree so that's what emotional fluency is to me i i kind of coined that term and then discovered that other people were using it too so i'm not sure how and and it sort of aligns it's kind of strange i'm not sure if like i'm gonna have to come up with something else because it's trademarked i really mm. haven't haven't gone into that we'll see um but but it seems like it's pretty like when i read what other people are doing i'm like that's pretty aligned with how i'm conceiving of it too so it's pretty cool yeah so it's you're helping other people then like really get in touch with what they're actually feeling and where mm -hmm. it's coming from and how they can move through it yeah yeah cool yeah. It's so interesting how you, I'm sure you find this, like you, the way you feel about one thing is the way that you feel about everything usually. Yeah. So like when you discover these sort of patterns of how you react to certain things, you can like not only see where it stems from, but like, oh, that's, that's why that bothers me. That reminds me of this thing. And I, yeah, this is always how I deal with, <laughs> with this emotion, you know? Um, and so it's like, oh, that's why my work situation isn't going so well. And that's that block that I feel in my relationship. And that's why when my kid says that it, you know, makes me feel this way. Mm. It's pretty. Yeah. pretty. I find that being a parent, uh, and let me know if this resonates with you. It's just being a parent brings up so much 
because the way your kids are, especially I've talked about it before in a lot of my recent episodes, because I'm totally in like the toddler phase where she's independent and is asserting that independence and has her own plan for what she wants. And it's coming up against my own, my plan. And Mm -hmm. I'm somebody who's always like, Oh, I go with the flow, which I do for the most part. But I think a lot of my flow lately is me acknowledging the feeling of frustration Mm -hmm. or like, Oh, that's not what I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) And then really looking at myself and thinking and my feelings and say, well, do I have to do the way I thought in my head was going to go? Or can I just let it flow and see where, think about her perspective more and like what she's, where she's at and like go with that. And I think it is um, like a dance. Yeah, it really is. Cause you don't want to lose yourself. What you want's important too, right? right. It's just right. like, yeah, it, it's where, where your comfort is a human being is and then that reflection of like do i want to do it this way because this is important to me or because i feel that that's how she should be acting or in my case that's how they should be acting right or or doing it or or, or going whatever yeah yeah continuous. So <laughs> it is continuous and i'm sure i'm learning so much about myself through this parenting process i think we all do if we're open to learning i think mm-hmm. I know some people are <laughs> you know not really just yeah. doing what they want to do and yeah but, yeah 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 I think one of the hardest parts of being a parent for me honestly is watching other people parent that's really mm. triggering for me yeah I think in the moment you always feel like okay I'm this is the best you know not that like not that I think I'm the you know the best but like the way I'm doing it is working so it's really hard to watch you do this other thing. <laughs> mm, yeah, I see what you're saying. I think for me, I um, I have definitely felt that way at different times, but lately I've been in a place of like, okay, I have no idea what's going on in their di- with their dynamics. And I also think about it on a soul level of like, I do feel like children choose their parents. Yeah. And so what is it that they need to work out and learn in their life? And it has nothing to do with me. So that's where my mind goes as I take a step or try my best to take a step back and think. Yeah. And I do that with adults too. And with (laughs) grownups, I'm like, (laughs) oh, if it triggers me, like, okay, that's on them. Or that's who knows what they need to get out of that or what their lesson is in that. And yeah. I think really it, it just frees me up from my mental energy going there and just, yeah, I can bring it back to myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's healthy. Yeah. <laughs> Trying. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. I think I had a lot more exposure actually to other parents when my kids were younger, we've been homeschooling for a while and mm-hmm. For the last three years, that's really meant sort of like isolated. It's not, that's not how I would consider homeschooling, you know, normally, but just because of how the world has been, it's been a little bit more isolated than I would like it. We've started to make some friends and that's cool. And um, I actually really respect the the parents that I, that I frequent, but I just remember that feeling maybe like, especially when I was maybe not my friends, but just like seeing people, you know, like when you're like out in, and you really don't understand that dynamic, you know, mm, so I think that is, yeah. A, yeah. 
are you enjoying homeschooling? I mean, besides like, I know the first few years, like with the lockdown and I can imagine how difficult that is. And I know yeah. from other people, but now as you continue to do it, like, and things are opening a little. I love, I love what we do. I mean, we unschool. So if we get into like the specifics of, you know, what I'm, what we're doing, I'm not doing school at home. I'm not like making them sit and read and do like workbooks and stuff. So, because mm -hmm. that wouldn't work for my personality and well, it's good because it wouldn't work for my personality, but the reason I do it is really because that's what my oldest really needed. Mm -hmm. He was, it. I, I tried putting him in preschool and um, like a few different preschools. It was just preschool, I think. And then I put him in kindergarten when we first got here for like three weeks and then everything closed. Um, but he, he basically expressed to me in his, you know, little kid vocabulary that it was like just breaking his spirit like mm. he could not go on it was too exhausting he, he didn't it's really hard for him to be around kids all day it's really hard for him to be told like what what he's gonna do because he knows what he wants to do you know yeah. and and so I had to listen to that my my youngest I sort of still feel like my youngest will end up going to some sort of school mm -hmm. because that's more his personality. He really likes to have activities planned for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but that's, that's what I ended up with, um, with my oldest. So when we, when we went through the lockdowns, we had to kind of go back to what we had been doing previously. And that was a little bit of a transition because now we were doing it in a different state and we were living in a very small place with my new partner who had, who worked from home now because of the, you know, it was, it was sort of nuts. So that wasn't fun, but lately, yes, like it's super fun. My, my kids have decided to take, you know, different lessons. Like my youngest is really interested in 3d animation. So he has um, a tutor that's teaching him how to use this program called blender where he can model stuff, which is like, insane the stuff he, he does as a six-year-old um and my my oldest decided he wanted to take japanese because he wants to work for nintendo <laughs> wow it's just really interesting to me and he's like really committed to it he's really committed to learning japanese that is so cool yeah and the fact that you really listened <laughs> to what they need and especially your oldest and knew that that wasn't going to work for you and supported yeah. him in that way is really cool yeah i had to learn a lot about it because it, it was a little nerve-wracking yeah, i can imagine my brother was homeschooled for and my sister and i went to school you know throughout our whole schooling uh my brother's 10 years younger and my mom homeschooled oh. him from i think till he was in fifth grade oh wow mostly because and this was in the 80s um because she didn't like, I guess they couldn't afford the school that she would have wanted to put him in at the time. And then she didn't like any of the way they were doing it in public school and just, and uh, yeah, and he's thriving. He's doing so great. So was she it, just tired of that by the time y'all came around? Um, No, well, we were first. My, my oh, oh, sorry, he's 10 years first. young. Yeah, younger, sorry, yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, no, and so, yeah, so I think she just, we were older and she had the time and, like, was able to do that oh, for him. Okay. And, That's yeah, and just really um, followed his passions and what yeah. he wanted to do, like what you're saying with your kids. And yeah. took him to different classes and had different things, that, you know. Yeah. That, they, that he yeah. did. And 
was like, oh, you're going to learn how to, at this time, like you're going to learn how to deposit a check today. You're learn how to... <laughs> now that's very different, but you know, yeah. you're going to learn how to do your laundry today. Yeah. Um, all the things, which, you know, you can do that even if your kid's in school, of course. Sure. But, sure. Yeah. yeah. Life skills. Yeah, totally. I feel like we don't really, like, I don't think my parents ever felt like they needed to add additional, you know, mm. um, stuff. Maybe some families do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember with us. My sister and I were dancers. Like we went to dance classes mm -hmm. and a lot. We were in a dance company. We wanted to though. We were, so we yeah. were like always at the studio and that was what we really wanted to do at the time um, besides school. So did you do ballet? I did, but I was more of a tapper. I actually did not like oh, ballet. Oh, until... I saw your tap video. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had to take some ballet to be in this dance company, but it was more like jazz and tap mm -hmm. um and then as I got to be in a, a young adult I I liked ballet more mm. I, I feel like I understood it more or just understood the technique of it or why you would maybe start with ballet but I didn't love the rigidity of it as a child it wasn't my jam I just wanted to make beats with my feet you know <laughs> tapping. I was like yes I like this um and then I got more into hip-hop in like my early 20s but yeah. And then it just moved to yoga, which I still definitely have living room dance parties all the time and still love to tap dance, uh -huh. which is why I think it was when I became a children's music artist, I'm like, Oh, I can tap dance. I can bring <laughs> tapping into my performances. And it super just lit me up again. And I feel like tap dancing is kind of like riding a bike too, because okay. you don't really forget the rhythms. I mean, definitely you have to practice to get it like on time, but I didn't, it was, it was amazing to me how I was like, oh, I, I remember this. And that is amazing. Yeah. Do you, when did the music come in? Like, when did you learn how to play guitar and all that? Um, well, I always loved music and loved to sing. I started playing piano as a kid, probably around like eight or nine, but okay. I didn't really like to practice. And I pretended that I learned to read music and I just memorized everything, which same. didn't really benefit me now, yeah. but yeah, same. <laughs> Totally. Um, you have a really good ear. It's really, uh, good. it's really yeah, easy. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so my parents didn't continue. I think I took piano for like a year or something. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't start playing guitar till I was 20. Oh, okay. I, I was pursuing acting and out of high school and I love the craft of acting, but I didn't love the industry in LA of acting. And at the time I was living with a friend, um, who happened to be a child actress and, mm -hmm but wanted to get out too. She was like, I'm not really into it anymore. She ended up becoming an attorney <laughs> and as an adult. And we did some traveling backpack through Europe when I was like 19, which was awesome. And when I came back, I'm like, I just want to sing. I don't want to act. I just want to sing. And my dad said, I think you should. And he actually gave me the guitar hanging on my wall. That was Aww. my dad's. Well, it was originally my aunt's. She gave it to my dad and then he gave it to me like 27 years ago now and I still oh. my it's like an old 60s Gibson and I love it not that I don't really know that much about guitars I just know it feels good in my hand mm -hmm. so yeah I just really learned to play self-taught just learned to play to like back up my voice and then I learned the ukulele like after the first time I went to Kauai in like 2007 or something and I was like I just want to learn the ukulele because it's so 
sweet. It's such a feel good sound. And I think ukulele is pretty simple to learn yeah. for people who want to like play a stringed instrument. Yeah. Yeah. It's not too difficult. To I was one up. of my, one of my first gigs with kids actually was teaching like, um, it's called music for children. It was a, like a set program. I was supposed to learn how to teach it, but I just, I couldn't by the end of it. I was like, I just can't, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I like the idea of teaching somebody else's curriculum at that time was, mm. was really scary for me. And I also decided to move, but, uh, she had all the kids learn how to play ukulele. That was the first thing. Cause she felt that, that it was just a really beginner friendly. Totally. Instrument. That's what I tell parents if their kid is really into guitar. I mean, maybe some kids will just pick up the mm -hmm. guitar and be able to do it, but it's frustrating to play the guitar at first. It hurts your fingers, it's still string. It's, it's just a lot for me. It was frustrating as a 20 year old. Um, but the ukulele is like smaller on their hands has nylon strings. Like you could play a C chord with just pressing one string down. So yeah, yeah totally. I started piano a little later than you, but my dad really wanted me to play piano because his mom was a pianist and he always wished that he had taken piano lessons, but because she was a piano teacher too, he was really resistant to it. So mm. I think he wanted me to play piano for him and his, his, um, the, the big sell was you'll be able to sing, you'll be able to accompany yourself when you sing. Well, class f fast forward like 10 years. And I'm like, when do we get to the part where <laughs> singing along with this? And I had, really? this, yeah, yeah. Cause it was, you know, like no music teacher. And, and maybe that was because I never asked, maybe it didn't occur to me as a child. I was going to say, like, you didn't just naturally want to be like, let me pick a song that I can sing already. Come on. Oh, I think the way most music teachers interpreted that was like, well, we can learn a pop song or, mm -hmm. but it wasn't like the accompaniment. It was right. the, the song. Right. So, but I ended up having this really great jazz piano teacher in college and he totally got what I wanted. And he was like, well, let's take some of your songs and I'll show you how to like create a part, you know, a piano part for the, but oh, awesome. to come back to your tap dancing thing, like I played piano, I listened back and I'm like, wow, I was a really good piano player. And then I stopped playing for um, when my kids were, when my son was born, or I guess when I got into 3HO, honestly, I felt like piano wasn't spiritual enough. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I picked up the harmonium and I just stopped playing uh, piano and it's been like 10 years now and I, I can still play it, but it's not, it's not the same. I don't remember like what I, what I did, what I used yeah, to do. But I feel but, like you could get back there. I, yeah, I probably could. I probably could. I've, I feel like the piano is something that I can just pound out some chords. Um, but I would love to, at some point in my life, I envision myself as this older lady, like, playing piano really well and also playing the harp because Ooh. I just love the harp and um and like teaching yoga to my you know 70 80 year old plus friends and <laughs> uh, I mean who knows that that's what that will be when I'm 70 or 80 years old but I can see it for mm -hmm. so it's like in there somewhere yeah I think the future has endless possibilities so maybe that's just one option so. <laughs> 
something to chew on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My parents had this friend who was a, a New Yorker and her mom was the harpist that everyone would get to play on their albums, I guess, like in the whatever decade it was, but her, her like really cool rent controlled apartment on the Upper West Side had like something like four harps in it, just, oh, you know, like beautiful. as living room art, mm -hmm. really beautiful. My, uh, my husband, Eric, his cousin, Helene Anderson is her name. She was on my podcast like a few months back. She's, uh, does sound healing and has, is a classically trained pianist, mm -hmm. um, and vocalist, but got really into all the, the sound healing, you know, the bowls and, um, but she just started playing the harp and it's so beautiful. And so she incorporates that into sound healing and sound baths which is so lovely I love it so much yeah that um, is so soothing yeah totally love that. um so what about these tell tell me about these body cello classes oh thanks for asking that's sweet um well I was really missing having a practice that incorporated sound like, like if I go to an ecstatic dance or something, I love moving my body, but I'm always like, there's like a singing element missing here. Like I want to sing and dance. I don't want to just move my body. I want there to be like sound going through my body. And I'm, I'm, I've always felt like that. And, and with the Kundalini yoga, that was like so cool because we were moving our bodies, we were breathing, we were incorporating sound. And to me, that's like the trifecta of, you know, of a, of a solid practice. So the basic principle behind body cello is just moving sound through through your body like using it's called body cello because the cello is the um, has the the range of the human voice yeah. which oh, I, I didn't realize that yeah i learned going to this really cool experimental cello performance at the kitchen in new york which is philip glass's venue mm -hmm. i'm not sure if it still exists and uh, and I was just, I, I've, that's always been like the, the back of my mind. So I decided to call it that because, you know, like string instruments have that cap, you know, that big cavity and that's what creates sound. And I feel like our bodies have all this empty space, you know, in them so that we can reverberate sound. And it, it really, we do like movement with breath and then the sound comes on the exhale. Um, so it's like breath work with sound, but instead of using a mantra, we're like, hum using like a humming or like mm. a tongue trill or a, a lip roll or just all these kind of vocal things that you would do but they're being done as breath work repetitively so i've been pretty influenced by the practices that i've done yeah and it turns out that it like it deepens your breathing it calms you down it helps to prepare you for meditation you know it's it's really fun. I, and then I kind of, I kind of intuitively teach it. I don't prepare what I'm going to do. It's mm -hmm. like, Oh, this is the next thing. Okay. This is the next thing. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That sounds so interesting. And like, it would feel so good. I feel like I've done something not with the breath work, but just on my own, I've had times where I just knew I needed to move energy or shift energy and so I'll do some stretching and I'll do some toning, like kind of just, and let whatever sound comes out, be, trusting that that tone mm -hmm. and that sound is going to vibrate wherever it needs to in my body to move mm -hmm. something. Yeah. And I think 
also doing it intuitively, this is getting like out there, but I love it is that whoever is a part of that, you're like tapping into like what they need mm. right? on some level. Yeah, for sure. Way. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the next things I was actually going to do was put as like an offering. Cause I have pre-recorded classes right now up on my website, mm -hmm. but I was going to put an offering for like a, a private class oh, or maybe cool. like even a group class, something like that I was teaching them as group classes, but I decided that I, I didn't really like the every week online format for various reasons, but, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's totally intuitive. Like you probably, you know, that's exactly what, you know, that, what, what I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. It's, it's kind of in us. Like I, I was noticing my, my son would kind of hum himself to sleep, um, certain nights. So I've, I was like, that's really interesting that I feel mm -hmm. like I used to hum to myself to calm myself down. I think that's really human. We kind of know. Yeah. yeah yeah I mean I'm always like singing or humming something <laughs> I feel like especially like silly songs too mm -hmm. just with our girl like about making breakfast or like <laughs> I don't know because it takes I feel like music just uplifts us it's just what it does you know mm -hmm. and so I use it as a tool sometimes when our daughter is getting like frustrated or something and then I just start singing about something like and it changes the mood it changes the vibe so does she like singing with you she doesn't sing yet but she likes hearing it like hearing. like so I'm not sure if she'll be because she's not our biological child mm -hmm. I don't know if she'll be musical herself I definitely feel like she is already a music appreciator mm -hmm. and just enjoys having music on and yeah loves to dance and it'll be interesting to see. I I'm, it's so, I'm so curious about the whole nature versus nurture thing and what she has in her and what is just developing because she's in our world. Mm -hmm. And my husband's also a musician. So we've always got something going on as far as whether it's recorded or whether we're just practicing or just singing acapella. <laughs> He's part of the Atlanta banana band. Yeah. yeah he's, he, uh, he writes music with me, okay. but then he also is a musical director, um, and guitar player for an entertainment company that does weddings and corporate events. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So he works that way as well. Yeah. What's well, a good location yeah. for you? The, the, uh, the LA area. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, actually he travels a lot for his, so it's like a lot of oh, okay. Santa Barbara, San Diego, up to Seattle, up to the Bay area a lot. Mm. Um, so West coast, mostly mm -hmm. Idaho. There's some beautiful places in Idaho to get married. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah. Montana. He goes there sometimes. So, oh wow. even Hawaii, that's one amazing thing is we've been able to go to Hawaii a handful of times for his work. And I just, hop along i mean i buy myself a ticket but yeah. i buy my buy a ticket but yeah oh that's super cool yeah what does that mean like he arranges music for the event or he well sound or he does as a musical director he would get like chart yeah charts together i mean a lot of it's online a lot of mm -hmm. players have ipads and stuff but getting um just so everybody has the same charts uh or also like horn parts, he might help put together charts for that. Um, there's sometimes different events, a few events 
the same night. So there'll be like three different bands and making sure everybody knows like, okay, this is what was requested as far as like songs and just making sure people know they have everything they need musically on that end. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't even know that was a job. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I guess in it, you know, some people, the company he works for is called Ben Malaire Entertainment. So Ben Malaire is a singer as well. So sometimes he'll sing on the events, but there's also other lead singers and he just like coordinates, but now it's grown into a company where he has people helping to coordinate. There's, you know, sound person, all the different musicians. Um, Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. But I think it helps to have somebody like Eric to my husband to make sure everybody's on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, my friend got into the wedding singer kind of gig. And one of the things that she's like super surprised about, and she's not sure if she wants to do it, was just how much administration she's had to do. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It's a big job. Yeah. It is a big job, but as far as being, I know he feels like when he's there, he's like, mostly everybody's happy at a wedding. (laughs) Mostly. So you're kind of, you know, it is a good vibe going into it. Um, You know, towards the end of the night can get a little tricky with, you know, alcohol, depending if people are partaking in that, but (laughs) wanting to get on stage and like sing a song. That's funny. I know. Well, I feel like for my podcast, you should give your, like where people can find you and, and all that. And maybe. Yeah. Vice versa. Yeah. 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 Well, people can, you know, find me. I'm most active on Instagram at the Atlanta banana show. And that's also where you can find our children's music. I would say it's for preschoolers, you know, two to five. Um, and our YouTube channel is all the Atlanta banana show. And then uh, my podcast for parents is inspired grownups, wherever you get your podcasts. Cool. And I will link those in the podcast description. Cool. And for how about me, you and where yeah. can people find you? Yeah. For me, portersinger.com, I think is the most comprehensive place for people to go visit. You can sign up for my newsletter there and you get a free live track. I am I think I'm most active on YouTube, probably. My YouTube um, artist channel is just Porter Singer. And I do post on Instagram. I'm consistent sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. But that's a fun space. So, yeah, that's at I am Porter Singer. And, yeah. Well, this is so much fun. I'm so glad we got to connect. Oh, and my podcast as well is called Inspired Artist Podcast. Yeah. Totally. And I'll have all those links too in the show notes. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much, Elena, for for doing this. I'm so glad we finally got to to get together. Me too. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please remember to like, rate, subscribe, whatever your service offers you as a way to engage and let others know that you're enjoying it so it gets shared with more people. For all news updates on what I am doing, you can go to my website, portersinger.com, sign up for my mailing list and get a free track as a thank you. All right, I will see you in the next episode. Bye.